This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forget and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome, everyone. It is great to be with you today to bring you another fantastic podcast guest that is making a significant difference for physically challenged youth in the San Antonio, Texas community. I was introduced to Andrew McAllister by Jed Morrison, a fraternity brother from Oklahoma, over a month ago, asking if I would be interested in looking into a great organization that his friend created and is leading. As I talked to Andrew and started doing a little homework on his Believe It Foundation, I knew instantly that I wanted to support and promote Andrew's organization any way I could. The principal reason Andrew launched his foundation that is helping to promote inclusion among physically challenged youth into mainstream activities is that he grew up with physical limitations and knows the hardship and isolation that many children experience in school and in social activities. To be honest, I didn't know if Andrew would feel comfortable doing a podcast, but after talking to him over the last several weeks, I knew he would be great, and I wanted to persuade him to do the podcast and to share his passion with you. I am pleased that Andrew is with me today, and I am totally stoked that he has a chance to share his story and inspiration to help challenged youth. Andrew, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and and to share a little bit about myself and about the Believe It Foundation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I thought we would start from the standpoint of the beginning, your story and the inspiration of the foundation can you please provide the audience a picture of what you experienced and dealt with during your younger years and why it is so important for you to do something meaningful and positive to help other children that are physically challenged please i was born with cerebral palsy which is really i was born three months prematurely and as a result i had what they call in medical terms, an insult to the brain at birth, just because I I wasn't breathing when I came out of the womb. That caused me to have a cerebral palsy, which affects my legs for the most part. I cannot, I can bear weight, but I can't walk like regular folks can. I can with a walker and my hands are affected as well. I'm also visually impaired, but I was blessed that my mind for the most part was, I had no intellectual deficits from the CP. And so I was able to do mainstreamed in school and was able to grow up here in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, really be around typical kids for the most part, mainly through the uh, church was really how I got introduced first 
to, to, to typical kids. They take me to dinners and lunches and things like that. And I was just part of what they did. And I was able to go to sporting events and things of that nature. And as a result, I really had a really fabulous upbringing. And doing those sort of social experiences gave me some respite that really gave me joy. Instead of having to always think about my disability, I was able to really look forward to those instances where I was with just my regular friends and didn't have to worry about the next doctor's appointment or next uh, uh, therapy session. I was just able to be a regular kid, and I was a decent student. I went to Trinity University here in San Antonio, Texas, and then I transferred after two and a half years to University of Texas at Austin and and did some schooling there. But what I realized through those experiences going to college was that the experiences that I had with the inclusion of doing those events at home in my in my small community, it wasn't the same. People didn't know how to interact with me very well, and I um, just didn't fit in as well as I did as a kid back at home in high school and in, in my younger years. And I really realized that what the key was to being able to be included then as opposed to an adult was people knew me as a younger child and so they didn't really see the disability as much and so when i started the foundation back in 2008 what i really wanted to create was some of the experiences that i had growing up we serve all kinds of kids but my niche is really my passion and where my heart is kids like me, the higher functioning kids, so that they can be around typical kids and get to know them and also build their self-confidence and give them some joy too. So that's how the foundation got started. Great, thank you. I read in some of your literature that you provided me that there's studies that have shown that lack of inclusion is really a missing ingredient that good organizations like the ADA and the IDAA don't really provide, even though they're good and they're a good jumping off point, they really don't develop or help, I guess the word is develop, this inclusion aspect that is so important to self-determination, which allows you and other challenged youth to really be a part of the community, being part of social activities, correct? Correct. It really is. The ADA, as I say, it gets you in the room, but the inclusion part gets you a part of the group that's in the room that gets you a part of the group and there's not a lot of organizations out there that focus on as i call it sort of the the 10 percent group which is the group that's higher functioning there are a lot of great organizations out there but i really realized that there was this uh, niche that was missing that i could provide because i've been so blessed to be able to have those experiences to be able to provide to San Antonio youth and, and people around the surrounding area that opportunity. I, I didn't really realize that what I had was unique, and I decided that I could bring a little bit of that to a larger group. Obviously, you're doing that quite well. I wanted to start, as we get into the foundation a little bit, the vision of the foundation. I think that's so meaningful. I'm going to read it for my audience. The vision of the foundation is to inspire all physically challenged kids to believe in themselves through shared experiences with peers and families, making social inclusion the norm. That's the key, making social inclusion the norm. That, that's the total key, the social inclusion, the non, 
as I call it, the non-school or non-institutional inclusion, just the social, regular inclusion. Talk a little bit about the success and the accomplishments that the foundation has accomplished since 2008. Sure. So we've helped several thousand uh, kids through what our programs are and started in 2008 with just a summer camp experience at a local faith-based sports camp. We had two kids do that. As an aside, those two kids are now started the program. One is out of college, out of school, and it did college and graduate school. And the other one is at Texas A&M University. And then what we really wanted to do was really create sort of these inclusive programs. And so we've partnered with other organizations to do snow skiing and things of that nature. We've done camping and we do some sporting events for kids to go to with their family and friends. And my whole thing, as I said, is about the inclusion process. And I want kids through the inclusion process to really have the moments and think, man, if I was able to do this, if I was able right. to go to camp or able to ride a bike, then I can do anything that I set my mind to. Exactly. I think that's uh, well said. And I know that you've benefited from, obviously, your friends, family, and supporters, for sure. But in the spring of this year, you and the organization and your executives decided to raise the bar uh, in a new strategic plan for the organization for the next three years. Do you want to make San Antonio the most inclusive city in the U.S. and to be a model for other cities across the country? Can you talk about the more robust strategic plan that you're endeavoring to accomplish over the next three years, please? Sure. We are just planning to continue to grow, especially the programs that we have. But we're really looking to expand two specific programs in that time period. It's our adaptive bike program. We are in several school districts right now. We're going to be in 10 school districts very soon. We're excited about that, and dovetailing off of that, our, our main program that we want to start through this strategic plan is uh, a mentoring program where uh, we right. have kids that, are, that have disabilities that are being mentored by adults that have also disabilities so that they can have that experience of shared experiences. And even through that, I think if we get a mentoring program, it still has that inclusion piece where they can go out in the community and be together. And we really want to be in the schools, as many schools as we can, to do that. And we had planned to do that a lot sooner. And then COVID, of course, has affected us all. And I was sure. talking with my partner today, and we were talking about the mentoring program and that he and I cannot wait to get out there and to expand this mentoring program and to get it going because we really feel like that could be another piece that we can do through through this. But it really wouldn't have been possible to do the mentoring program if it wasn't for our adaptive bike program because right. we're already in the schools. We already have the relationship with the school districts. And we really want to further that relationship. I think a lot of those kids don't even know the possibilities that are out there for them. Right. So, um, that's really what we want to achieve. 
uh, hit on this one point because I think it's the key, and you've stated beautifully in your um, materials to allow kids to feel that self-determination and ability to go on from high school to college and then a career, right? Absolutely. I would not be here speaking to you right now doing this if I didn't have those experiences that kind of started me out thinking, oh man, I've done this so I can do this and, and really feel like I can make a difference, you know, in the world. And so the, hopefully at the beginning when these kids start the programs, so they start having that sense of I can do this. And really for me, Roger, I really would like to have the kids that want to come in and for me to hand it off uh, and not go away completely, but for me to hand off some of the responsibilities of the foundation to, to them, uh, sure, you know, sure. the mentoring program can also lead to some employment opportunities for the the people that are mentoring. It's multifaceted in that way. Let's move into a little bit more about the Adaptive Buy program. It, you've started it so well, and it's, it's showing great success, and I enjoy seeing some of the videos that uh, your team has put together. Can you talk about where you currently are with your, I guess, your three school districts and your plans, immediate plans to expand to 10 schools? Or, yeah, or, we, we are we are in, in three school districts. Uh, we are in Harlandale, uh, Edgewood, and, and Bernie right now. And we've got bikes also now in uh, different schools around the city north side, which is the second largest uh school district in San Antonio. We have a group out of Canada that, that has the bikes for us. We have a good relationship and they provide the bikes for us. They're great adaptive bikes. What, what we've seen with the adaptive bike program is kids that haven't had the experience to ride and when they get on the bike, they really shine. And I should say that as part of the agreement that we have to start the bike program, we also ask them to start what's called a Partners in PE program, which is where they have a, a regular ed student with them doing during their adaptive PE time doing right. bikes. And so right. there still is this sort of inclusion piece. I love that. Yeah. I, think I think that's great. Your expansion plans are what for the next year? Or we're we're ho hoping to get into to, to 10 school districts, and then uh, we've got two more on the waiting list. I am one that I am led by the Lord, and so I'm okay with wherever this takes us. Just basically around this community, that's great, and we just do the impact there. But I would really like it to see if we could go around the state. We'll be in about 12 within a year and a half, two years, but I'm just happy wherever this takes us, really. Uh, you think big like I do. I do appreciate that. And I stated in the newsletter, which will actually be going out tomorrow, but I stated in the newsletter that I really want to help you and your foundation purchase more adaptable bikes for your activities. Our family is going to purchase one bike ourselves, and we're encouraging other members of our community to step up and participate as well. There will be on the in the newsletter a link to your website and the donation tab i'm going to encourage all my listeners and readers to uh, make a donation and to help andrew and the team 
buy more bikes so that they can expand their bike program to more school districts in San Antonio and maybe beyond. I, God bless you. I hope you do go statewide. That would be a beautiful thing, and I would like to be a part of that. Thank you, and thank you for uh, your generosity. And, and I just, I really would like to just uh, finish by telling your listeners that, that this is a program that is just so special, and I believe it's just so important for these kids to be able to feel what it feels like to be included. Thank you for the opportunity to share my vision and my, my passion and my dream with your audience, and I'm, I'm grateful to you. Especially. Well, no, I'm, I'm grateful for you for taking the time. And I wanted to finish with uh, a comment on the great video that uh, you shared with me that I think I've, <laughs> I've shared with you that I've watched seven or eight times now. So every time, and you said it yourself, every time you feel a little bit, you feel a little bit sore, tired, you can watch that video with you and your friend Ross and preparing for the marathon and get pretty pumped up that we can accomplish anything if we uh, set our mind to it. And I commend you and Ross for your third marathon and the success of that. And I also want to uh, say hats off to you, your uh, uh, video producer, Lindsay. Lindsay Kale, and, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, and I thought the video was super, and the newsletter will have a link to the video tomorrow as well. I thought it was fantastic. Hats off to her and to you and to Ross. So great job. Finally, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last month, and I'm so happy that Jed introduced us, and I hope that uh, we're going to be friends for uh, the future, and I look forward to many more conversations. You bet, thank you for believing with us. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com.